starting at the drum and ending up when a finished product coming out of the gun. If you can better control the whole system, you can solve problems and assure the best mix, best yield, best productivity. This is the one and only, the original podcast where you can find yours and your business's true value. You're listening to Our Value, brought to you by America's insulation source, IDI Distributors. You want to hear from the best contractors, suppliers, and consultants that dedicate themselves to more than just survival in the business world? Industry professionals that are dedicated to excellence in every aspect of their business? Our Value has them all here to share that same motivation and knowledge with you. Tune in and grow a more successful, profitable, educated, and recognized business. Listen to the Our Value podcast to become the industry leader in your market. Find your value with Our Value. Welcome to the R Value Podcast, where we talk all things insulation. I'm your host today, Aaron Franzine, and today I welcome Nick Pagano into our studio. Nick is a senior product marketing manager for Graco's contractor equipment division, headquartered in Rogers, Minnesota, about 45 minutes from IDI's home office. Nick has been in the spray foam industry for over 20 years and has had several management roles at Graco with focus on spray foam and polyurea equipment. In his current role, his responsibilities include product line management, new product development, and new business development. Nick has served on boards of both the SPFA and the Spray Foam Coalition. He graduated from Penn State University with a BS in industrial engineering and holds an MBA from Monmouth University. Nick, thanks for coming in today. Thanks, Aaron. Happy to be here. All right. Good to see you. It's been a while. How have you been? Been well. Been busy. Okay. So, Nick, uh, I wanted to get you in here today to tell the folks about some new products and new things Graco has going on. Regarding the Reactor 3, okay, that's kind of the topic for today. And I want our listeners to kind of get a good view and understanding of the new product. As far as Graco, I want to, let's talk through the kind of the process and the leading up to this point that we're at. When do you guys make a decision or when do you know it's even time to kind of make an upgrade? Oh, that's a good question. And I don't think there's a one hard and fast answer. I, I think a combination of things. So if you look at it, the last major upgrade was Reactor 2 and that was back in 2014. And so this project, it's been now going on two and a half years since we started working on it. So it's been a long time coming. But, you know, we take a look at what the what's going on in the industry. What are customers looking for? What's new technology out there? What can we bring to market? So in that five-year range, you know, which it was from 2014 when we started working on it, it was a good time to, you know, in the evolution of new product launches, like start working on what's the next generation going to be. That's crazy that Reactor 2 has been out for that long already. It seems like it was just a couple years ago, but 2014 Reactor 2 came out. That's what it was. Yeah, it was a long long time ago. It doesn't seem like that long. I agree with you. Time goes fast. When looking into new products, you know, new releases, things like that, you know, I want to understand a little bit. I know Graco is very, very good about taking customer feedback, you know, surveying customers, asking end users what their pain points are trying to address them and come up with solutions. How do you guys approach that with end users and getting that feedback? Yeah, good good question. I don't think there's a a formal process, but I think the feedback comes from a number of places. First and foremost, like you mentioned, end user feedback. And so myself, our sales team, we're in front of end users all the time. We're at trade shows. We're hearing things that they're looking for. We're talking to our distributors. What are your customers looking for? 
And so we're constantly getting feedback on all fronts, and we're just kind of taking that all in and keeping keeping a log of what are the things that you know the next generation that maybe we can address, maybe we can bring something to market that you know fixes an issue or a pain point for a customer. And I think we're hearing it internally. Our tech support calls. What are what are the calls? we're getting what are the questions people have what are the alarm codes we're seeing on the machines that happen most frequently and how can we help minimize or eliminate those types of problems or alarm codes with a different engineering fix on the equipment or something new on the equipment that can minimize you know those downtime customers are seeing it's really a focus on all those items rolling them all together and into a new product line and trying to address as many as we can Something I really respect about Graco is that you guys actually take end-user feedback and do something with it. So I think that's a strong suit for sure. I think it helps you guys bring some of the best products that there are to the market. Um, you know, we try to do the same thing here with at IDI, right? Ask your customers what things do they need, what do they want, what struggles do they have, and then try to solve those problems. When everything lines up, you have enough solutions and enough feedback, you can kind of bring them together for a brand new product. So with pertaining to Reactor 3, right, what were some of those things that you were hearing from end users? I mean, number one thing we hear a lot is training. Getting new applicators up and running quickly. How can we make the equipment easier to train on and intuitive enough that you don't need to be an expert in order to assure that you're spraying a good product? And so... How can we build more intelligence into the machine to make newer applicators more successful? That's one thing. Ratio, you know, we're seeing people more attentive to their ratio they're spraying. And how do we assure, you know, things that are out of the machine's control, whether it be environmental conditions or you know, running out of material or, you know, poor equipment choices? How do we take all those things and try to solve problems that keep the machine on ratio better, assure that what they're spraying is at the best yield they could possibly have. Um, so, I mean, yield and ratio and productivity are always topics of how do we improve the next generation of equipment to maximize those things. Right. So it sounds like kind of letting the machine do as much work as you can make it do, letting the end users spray, right? That's where the money is made. Yeah, we want we want them pulling the trigger and making money for their business and not having downtime and being as productive as they can. And how do we they maximize their yield, which is going to make them more profitable as well, like making sure what's coming out of the gun is um, as perfect as it could be. Was that some of the feedback you received from end users as downtime specifically to say, what can we do to keep the trigger pulled and the machine up and running? I don't know if they say it in those exact words, but you kind of read what they're talking about, where they're talking about maintenance issues, you know, um, training issues. It takes a long time to get a guy trained. And so really, when you think about it, they all equate to productivity and profitability. And how do you get them up and running quicker in, in the day? How do you get a new train guy up and running quicker in his daily um, activities? And so they all, I don't think the end user thinks about it exactly like that, but it ends up being a productivity improvement or a profitability of their business if you can help them with less downtime. Okay, so you mentioned, I mean, onboarding, right? Let's talk about labor for a second. Finding laborers and folks to come help us out and our customers, you know, reducing the integration period to get somebody kind of up to speed. You think Reactor 3 is going to help with that? Yeah, I certainly hope so. I think there's a lot of new technology built into this platform that makes it simpler to train on and makes the machine smart enough that you don't need to be an expert 
to go out there and use it. You nailed it. I think that's one of the things that's a problem. And if your equipment and the way you are bringing this to the market and what you've put into it to this point helps with that, I think that's a huge win. You know, I hear heard many times from customers that growing their business, it's easy to go buy a spray foam rig and get it on the road. It's hard to find a guy to run it every day. And so if they can find more help, they can grow their business quicker because it's really the help that's, you know, the holding them back from growing their business because they can't find a guy that's going to run their rig every day and feel and make them feel that the guy out there is doing a good job. So my job is to make sure we build equipment that offsets that and makes it easier for them to grow their business by allowing um, good foam being put on the wall. Okay. So let's go back to kind of the lead up to where we are today. Um, You get customer feedback, you put together like some of your solutions. What's the next step? I mean, does it go to engineering? Is that when you kind of, obviously, you know, you propose it, you know, do your, your due diligence, right? But then it goes into engineering. What's your role with engineering and kind of you know, being, I guess, a liaison between them and all the other folks that help make a product launch successful. My role at Graco as a product manager, first and foremost, is coming up with the next generation of equipment or what can we bring to market that's going to help our customers. And so listening to the feedback and then articulating it in a way that engineering can understand what, you know, giving them a specification of what we're looking for on the new equipment. And so it's, it, it's an iterative process. There's a lot of discussions going on at Graco between the management team and engineers. The engineers are putting together estimates on, you know, how much cost, how much labor, how much time will it take to develop that. Me justifying that level of project with an ROI, um, and then deciding from the management team deciding to fund the project and putting a team of engineers on it to bring it to market. I imagine some of the discussions, I mean, you get feedback from a customer. I wish my machine would just spray the jobs for me and then also drive back and forth to the job and do this. And then engineering says, well, we can do this, this, and this. How do those conversations go? Yeah, there's definitely some some ideas that come to market that are just so far pie in the sky and not realistic from a cost perspective to bring to market. Yeah, everyone would love a, a robotic sprayer that has no complaints put the perfect foam on the wall all day long and just so the engineers kind of have to bring it to reality to say okay we can do this this and this but nick get out of here with this idea come on man you're crazy there's some of that i mean they'll say yeah it's gonna end up costing this much can you actually sell it for that price point and i have to be realistic and be like yeah that's not something that um, a contractor is going to pay for it's gotten gotten to the price point where it's not realistic If you're interested or have any questions about the new Reactor 3, reach out to your local IDI branch. As far as the engineering team, how many engineers are in the contractor division up in Rogers? I I know there's a ton. Do you have an idea? Um, I'd say over 100. I don't know the exact number. A ton. Yeah. There's There's a lot of engineers up there. That's just in my division. Every division kind of has their own engineering team, and it's you know fifty to hundred per division. The contractor equipment group equipment division is the biggest. I'm not exactly sure of the exact number, but it's a ton. Yeah. How many engineers would you be working with, kind of on a day to day basis on a project like this? I mean, they're not going to deploy all hundred and say, "All right, Nick, here you go, go get it, buddy." Oh no, there's there's many projects going on simultaneously. 
this Reactor 3 project, at its height, probably had between 15 and 20 engineers, designers, and technicians dedicated to the project, working on it every day for se- several years. So we were talking uh, before the show today about Reactor 3 is is a overall objective, right? But within it, there are a number of different projects going on, right? I mean, even the new... Uh, the new lube design, the new hoses, the new pumps. I mean, you have kind of multiple projects working together linear, right? So Reactor 3 was a big a big project in that it was more than just a new proportioner. You know, we wanted to look at this as a complete system and trying to solve the problems we talked about, you have to look at it starting at the drum, which involves transfer pumps, and going out to the gun, which involves hoses and the machine. And so this project was a redesign or a new development of both transfer pumps, proportioner, and hoses. So really those were three independent projects all being worked on by separate teams, but all communicating with each other so that they all work together when they're designed and installed together. Um, And so, yeah, there was quite a bit of uh, interaction and engineers on this project for several years. Who are the the ideas people for the most part i mean i know that's you right and then what the feedback is but then from the engineering side i'm guessing everyone's kind of encouraged to bring ideas and thoughts to the table in order to create a solution oh yeah absolutely it's not one person coming up with the ideas it's people throwing you know a spitball idea out there but then the engineers take it and run with it and they might tweak it a little bit but come back with something even better than the initial idea and on the mechanical side i mean there's mechanical engineers working on the pumping systems, the heating systems, the you know the iso loop systems, like you mentioned, the heated hoses. But then there's electrical engineering has become just as important as the mechanical. All the computer controlled heating algorithms, the ADM, the way the electronics work and communicate with each other. And so the electrical engineers bring a lot of cool ideas to, to us, like, hey, we could do this. Do you think this is something a customer would appreciate in the software? Um, so. It's definitely a lot of communication going on. Right. And resistance control is an example of that. I mean, it seems like, you know, in this day and age, maybe the scales are tilting a lot towards electrical and what the technology can bring. I mean, resistance control, I think, was fairly revolutionary, right? I mean, that's an electrical uh, idea. And so bringing those things to the table, it does make everyone's life a little easier you know, more manageable as far as their workday goes. And that we saw lots of calls, lots of warranty claims, lots of repair because the hoses take a beating in our industry. The cables in the hoses that were responsible for monitoring temperature, um, you know, they would get broken, you know, run over, you know, just daily usage um, end up breaking and cause a lot of people, you know, the repair work or a warranty. And so we just internally, how do we solve a problem like that? How do we get rid of the cable? Not just make the cable more robust because it may last a little longer, but eventually still going to break. So just get rid of it all together. Is there a way to get rid of it? And that's where the electrical engineers had to, you know, do some, a lot of digging and research and trial and error to figure out how, how closely can we monitor a hose by looking at the resistance of the hose? And it turns out, you know, after a lot of iterations, there's a way to do it. And it's like you said, it's really changed the way people spray. I mean, that problem has totally gone away if you're running your hose now with resistance control mode. Yeah, right. I mean, two key components that folks had to replace quite often, and it's not an easy thing to replace, would be the wire and then the sensor. Right? Exactly. Those things yeah. failed. Um, so basically, you can remove those from the system, which saves a lot of time and a lot of money. So. 
Um, so we've talked kind of through engineering, how the project comes together. Then what? What happens next? I mean, you got to figure out a marketing plan and, you know, bring this thing to market. What's the next step? Well, that's a good question. I, I don't know if there's one answer, but, you know, once the project's kicked off, we're immediately talking about how quickly can we get an early prototype in the field, get customers using it every day, pulling the trigger, and giving us feedback on the ideas. Is it working the way we want? And these early prototypes, we call them Frankenstein units because they don't look like a finished unit. And these customers love working with us because they feel like they're on the, in on the ground level, giving Graco feedback, which they feel like that's an important role as an end user to be part of the design process. But we really appreciate these guys because, you know, it's not all, you know, perfect. There's downtime because we have engineers on site helping change things, fix things. It's an iterative process and it takes months, sometimes years to, you know, properly field test the machine before it's ready for market. So field testing as quickly as possible, learning from our mistakes and then making an update, changing it, going back to the field a second time, a third time. Right. So then you have field units out there being tested. Are you also kind of simultaneously running like life tests or cycle tests back back at the shop? Oh, absolutely. Everything at Graco goes through a series of life tests, safety tests, to millions of cycles, depending on what it is, if it's motor life, if it's the life of a pin holding a, you know, a shaft together, you know, under load, burst pressures, safety safety tests. I mean, there's just dozens and dozens of tests that go on on every product and components of products to make sure that it's going to hold up to the rigors of what the contractors are going to use it like. You said 2 million cycles. Did I hear that right? Oh, I said several million cycles. I know we've tested things this 10 million cycles. And they just run kind of 24-7 and run overnight, and you're testing to see what vulnerabilities or weaknesses are there. Yeah, we have many test rooms, test labs, where machines are just cranking away 24-7 for months on end, putting life on them, monitoring them. When when are they finally going to break? When do they finally need a repair? When do they finally warrant to be updated? So we have a better understanding of where these machines stand. Do you get to do uh, destructive testing at all? What's that? What's up with destructive? You get to bring it out back and hit it with baseball bats, like office space style, or what's that all about? I wish it was that glamorous or that fun, but there's definitely destructive testing, especially pressure devices, whether it be a pump that's rated for 3,500 PSI, a hose, a gun, a casting, anything that holds pressure certainly needs to be impulse tested, burst tested to four times you know, working pressure. Impulse tested means brought up to high pressure, reduced to low pressure, brought up to high pressure, for hundreds of thousands, not millions of cycles, because that cycling puts extra fatigue on uh, a product, not just holding it at pressure, but the high pressure and the low pressure um, impulse testing is definitely a destructive test. So I've seen some of those, like, I don't know what you call them, burst chambers or whatever. Um, They're like a safe, kind of, and you put components in there and what, just crank the pressure up to four times, it sounds like, and then see if it's going to break. Yeah, it, and a lot of times it's fun to watch because there's clear, I don't know if it's Lexan or plexiglass or thick, clear, see-through uh, walls in the chambers. You, you can, can actually watch, watch these things, yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. Okay, so we've kind of come through the process of what led up to this point. Let's get into the launch a little bit, and what was the what was your goal of this project? I think the overall goal was looking at it as a complete system, starting at the drum and ending up when a finished product coming out of the gun. Because if you can better control the whole system, 
you can solve problems and assure the best mix, best yield, best productivity. So like I mentioned before, it wasn't just a proportioner project to bring a new reactor. It was bring a new system to market. And that's where we looked at starting with the transfer pumps, I think, was key, and then ending up with the hoses. Okay, gotcha. So now that it's being launched, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the three tiers? This is going to be a new change from reactor two is the standard pro and elite models and what the differences are. Sure. Yep. So reactor two had two tiers. We had the, you know, the main, the entry tier, which really didn't have a name. We just called it the standard machine. And then we had the elite, which kind of had some additional features on it, like ratio assurance. Um, But now looking at this project, we felt like adding a tier, that entry level standard tier was important as a, a good base level machine for someone just getting in the industry, starting their business. It gives them a nice platform to get in on, but it's also meant to allow them to expand. The way we build it, you can add onto the machines. So if you buy a standard machine today, but in a year from now, you're realizing you know data reporting and data collection is important and you want to add Reactor Connect, you can. You know, if you see that, you know, ratio reporting and ratio control is important, you can add flow meters. As you add those things, some new software opens up on the ADMs that allow you to better control the machine. So we thought having a nice platform series like that allows customers to have their machine grow as their business grows and their business needs change. They can add on to the machine. Can you upgrade a standard machine all the way up to an elite model with all the bells and whistles? Yeah, definitely. There's everything that is on the elite can be put on a standard and create you know, that standard eventually bring it up to an elite if that's what you want to do. Yeah. So, no, you nailed it. I mean, something that, you know, you can get in uh, more affordable, but then as you grow, you, it, you, you're you buying a machine your company can grow into p- potentially. Exactly. So another new feature, I guess, you guys didn't bring over the E20 with Reactor 2 into the new um, – well, the Reactor 2 platform. So you guys are bringing E20 over into the R3 platform. Tell us about that a little bit and kind of, you know, what uh, drove that decision and what customers in that machine or purchase that machine might get. Yeah. So, you know, seven years ago, eight years ago, when we launched Reactor 2, we the decision was made just to bring over E30. And at the time, you know, there was a number of customers using E20s that didn't want to change technologies. It was a good entry-level machine at a good price point. And we felt like, okay, we'll keep that as our starter machine and keep the E30 as the next generation. But looking at it now, where we're talking about a platform that can be added onto um, the current E20, the reactor generation 1 E20, there's a lot of things that customers can't add to it just because of the technology. They can't run resistance mode on their hoses. They can't add reactor connect you kind of get what you get with yeah, that, you right? Can't you have, turn it on and go spray. Yeah, you can't have flow meters. So now with looking at Reactor 3, we thought it was time to bring that Generation 1 machine up to a new standard, still have a, a platform where it's you know, at a price point where E20 was, but now allow the customer you know, to buy that E20, but like we talked about, grow with their business if they want to add features to it later or use some of the newer technology as their business grows, that could be added onto on this new Reactor 3 platform. Okay, and then one of the features of the new E20, does it come standard with a bigger heater? Is that right? The standard E20, it does have a little bit bigger heater. Norm, the, the original generation E20 had a 6-kilowatt heater. This has a 7, so it's a little bit bigger. But then as you step up the E20 to the Pro and to the Elite, there is a 10-kilowatt model as well. So you can get some nice Delta T out of the E20 now um, if you move up to that 10-kilowatt heater. 
Right. And that was always some of the feedback with the E20, especially folks maybe in the colder states uh, here in Minnesota to be one of them. But I think a 10 kilowatt heater in an E20 will kind of open up that market a little bit and get let's it'll allow some of the folks in the northern states to still have, you know, that type of maybe little less volume machine, but still have the Delta T that they can efficiently get their job done. Absolutely. I see that new 10 kilowatt E20 being a, a popular machine because of the new capabilities and features that it's coming out with. Absolutely. So let's move on to the core pumps. These are the new electric pumps from Graco. What brought this idea to the table? I mean, what? why do we need to control pumps electronically? So when we're looking at the project and trying to solve problems with the new generation of equipment, some of the biggest problems we saw were generated starting at the drum pumps. A couple things happen at the drum pumps. Uh, you're not feeding the machine with enough material, and this happens frequently in cold weather. The material gets viscous, and it's harder to pump, and which means you can't properly feed the reactor. And if you're not doing that, you're not, it's hard to stay on ratio if you're not feeding the reactor with enough material. And secondarily, when people run out of chemical, their drum runs empty and an air pump will continue to run and it'll introduce air into the fluid stream, which again results in a ratio issue. So by looking at electric pumps, the electric pump now can communicate with the reactor. It's more of a complete system and we can sense when things happen. We can see when it's not feeding correctly because the material is too thick. So we can automatically add more power to the motor of the electric pump to better feed the reactor. Or we can sense when the material runs empty based on current in the motor and immediately shut you off to prevent that air from entering the, the fluid. So it was an effort to how do we improve the system and the communication at the drum pump to the reactor was key to that. Right. So with air pumps, I mean, you can't communicate through an air hose, right? You can communicate through electricity. And so if the machine is seeing, hey, I don't have enough feed pressure, it'll tell the machine the stick pump to pick up the pace, right? Add a little bit more pressure. Exactly. Okay. So then I also heard that when you park the machine and your pumps kind of sit down in fluid, does that happen on the, the new core pumps as well? Yeah. It's one of the second secondarily benefits. I would say when you park your reactor, it's going to park your, your feed pumps as well. And again, that just goes to maintenance in life. It's going to make sure that your piston in the pump is in the fluid, not, you know, help prevent isocrystallization. Everyone un understands that how ISO works in our industry. And, you know, it's really just meant for improved seal life and improved longevity of the pump. So if we can park that as well, it's just a nice added benefit you get with the electric pumps. The lower end on these pumps is the same as it's kind of always been. So that part is not going to look any different. Is that right? So the volume is the same as the T3 pumps. It's the same T3 lower that's been redesigned into our new ProConnect system. And ProConnect really means a quick disconnect between the motor and the lower. And last year, we introduced the T4 pump, which has ProConnect, allows you to quickly disassemble the pump and have the air motor be removed. So now this new core pump uses the same exact lower as that T4. So the lower is interchangeable now between an air motor and an electric motor. So you can take a core upper end and put it on a T4 lower end, right? I mean, that core system is meant that those two uh, motors are meant to be kind of interchangeable, right? It's same lower end. Same lower end definitely was by design to make it easier for customers. Either they want to upgrade their T4s or go. they can start right at a core pump and have that lower there. That allows them to quickly 
change between drums, have a shorter ceiling height of their rig because they can disconnect the, the motor from the lower. Right, right. That's great. I think uh, not hitting the ceiling when you pull out a stick pump will be awesome. Oh, we've customers have definitely appreciated that new technology. We get a lot of feedback on. They really like the way those pumps operate and the ability now to quickly move between drums. Right. So let's move on to probably my favorite feature of the new product is the internally heated hose. So I think uh, you know we've seen some movement in that direction in the industry. I've seen the hose. It's lighter. It's way less bulky. What What are the benefits that you see out of the new internally heated hose? Well, first and foremost, it's what the applicator has in their hand all day. It's an immediate change to their to the equipment they use because it is lighter. It is more flexible, and they appreciate that. When you're holding a hose and gun in your hand for five, six, eight hours a day, especially in hot attics or crawl spaces. Any convenience or you can give them, they'll appreciate. So, yeah, that was a big, big design change for us, moving to an internally heated hose. But like you mentioned, there's lots of benefits that come along with it. I mean, weight being one of them, is the new hose lighter than the old kind of externally heated hose we're used to? Oh, yeah, certainly lighter, but the flexibility is much more. And I think that makes it feel even lighter than it is because it's now much more flexible in your hand. And the diameter of the hose is considerably less i think it's about 35 or 40 percent smaller diameter hose which makes the whole bundle more flexible lighter weight as well yeah much less bulky i mean trying to bend that hose around job sites you know the old way versus the new way i think customers will see a lot of benefit out of that as well yeah no one benefit we didn't mention yet it was quicker heat up time you know because the heating element is in direct directly submerged in the fluid it can bring your temperature of your hose up in the morning much quicker and so you know it's 40% 40% quicker warm-up time in the morning to get up in spring when you're on jo- on a job site. 40% less time taken to heat up. Yep. Okay. And then being uh, internally heated, that's also independently heated. Can you adjust your A and B side separately? All the Reactor 3s now are capable of independent hose heat. And what that means is no longer do you have to set your hose at one temperature for both A and B. The A and B are independently controlled. And so that's a little bit different. It has nothing to do with being an internally heated hose. It's just a way of building the hose so the electrical circuits are separate and letting the controls on the reactor control them independently. Are these new hoses – so that's a good benefit, I think, because I think a lot of guys will take advantage of that. There's – every day is different on a job site, and to have that extra level of control will be huge. Is the new hose – all on resistance control out of the box? We have designed a new machine to be optimized and operate using in the uh, resistance control mode. That doesn't mean a customer who wants to have the old style with um, RTD cables and temperature sensors, we do have hoses available that have those cables in them. But as if you buy a machine with a package, the package will come with hoses set up in resistance control mode. Okay, great. Yeah, I think the new hoses are going to be fantastic, and people are really going to enjoy and take advantage of what they have to offer. So other thing on the Reactor 3 I wanted to ask about is, and this is probably a little bit smaller scale than the other changes, but I love the new lube system for the A-side. Tell us about that a little bit. Sure. So the new machine has what we call an active ISO lube pump system, meaning it has its own little pump on it that automatically will circulate the uh, TSL fluid. And where that is good is 
it keeps it fresh in the in the uh, wet cup, but it reduces the amount of uh, maintenance you have to do on your system. You know, frequently customers forget they need to change the TSL or monitor it, and so this is doing it for you and it's going to circulate it for you and make sure, you know, it's amazing how much more life you get out of a pump when you have a clean TSL and it's circulated properly. So every, every, um, 30 minutes, I think it's going to automatically do a complete refresh of the material, pushing it through the system. And what's interesting is we found by it not constantly circulating the way older reactors have done, you get longer life out of your TSL. That constant circulation causes it to, you know, lose its useful life quicker, gets thick from constantly being circulated. So it actually helps it last longer by not circulating it constantly. So it's like a 30-minute wash, basically. It'll cycle for the amount of time needed to properly clean the rod. Um, And that's every 30 minutes, you said? I believe it's every 30 minutes. And also at the end of the day, when you pump uh, park the machine, it'll automatically do a last flush. Even if you had just done it a few minutes earlier, when it's during parking, that parking process will also... Uh, trigger it to do one last um, circulation. So that should also reduce parts and labor costs for some of our customers as well. Maybe having to rebuild their A-side pump less, less time spent on it. Is that fair to say? Yeah, exactly. That was what the goal is of redesigning that system, make it less maintenance for the customer. Right. The other thing I like about it is the bottle is actually the reservoir right now. So back in the day, you see that milky white or even golden brown TSL bottles and they get, you know, crystallized material, hardened ISO in them, and then you are kind of stuck until you order a new one, get it in the mail, and then put it on. The bottle is now the reservoir. So every time you need to replace a bottle, you just thread in the new complete bottle, and that's your that's your TSL for the life of the fluid, right, until it wears out, and then you get another one. Exactly. The, the way it's designed is the cap threads right onto the onto the machine, and so you're constantly putting a new bottle on there. One thing about the active system is it eliminated all the, the check valves that were in that bottle, and that was a thing that frequently was a maintenance issue. Those check valves would get locked up from the ISO. or um, So totally eliminating. There's no check valves in the new ISO loop system at all, which makes it you know a lot less maintenance. Good. So let's bring this all together and talk about reactor catalyst and what Graco means by drum to gun. So catalyst is our new brand for the overarching software that's controlling the system. And what that means is it's if you have the catalyst enabled, it's not something you're forced to use, but when you have it enabled, it's taking charge of the system and making sure that it's optimized for complete protection. You know, it's going to monitor everything, you know, we can to shut you down or prevent you from spraying a bad product. But it's also smart enough to be making adjustments on the fly where it's looking at inlet temperatures and automatically adjusting feed pressures to compensate for cold material. Or one of the features you can have is called auto pressure balance. It's looking at your outlet pressures and seeing that there's an imbalance and automatically making small adjustments to your temperature set points to compensate for that, that pressure imbalance is a result of unmatched viscosities. So by adjusting the temperatures, we can better match the viscosities, and ultimately that's going to lead to better mixing at the gun and better yield for the customer. So to automate that process throughout the day as ambient conditions change, you know we're automatically seeing that and making adjustments to your machine to make sure you're spraying the best material you can. Right, and that's important in in impingement mix, right? That's how our gun is mixing our two products. So having equal pressure that they enter at the same rate, 
um, by enabling catalyst that will, you said, makes minor adjustments to the temperature to even out those pressures. Is that right? The auto pressure balance, it's under the catalyst software, but it's still a feature that you need to turn on because not everyone may want it to be adjusting the machine. So it's a feature that's built into the software. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great feature that when customers see the results, they have really liked it. Right. So catalyst mode then in and of itself, I mean, that's kind of having all the components, right? The the core pumps and all the items. And then you actually go into the machine and activate it. You like turn on the catalyst system. So the catalyst is going to work on the elite level models. There needs to be a certain level of hardware that the machine has in order for it to monitor everything we need to monitor. So the elite model has all that hardware. So out of the box, if you were to plug in these new core pumps with your elite machine, the first time you power up, it's going to say, we we recognize you have electric pumps installed. Do you want to enable them? You simply click yes, and then catalyst is installed. There's no nothing more to do other than that. But it in the background is making sure all the proper alarms are enabled and all the proper um, software is working at its maximum potential. You know, let's talk about Reactor Connect as well. That's still the main kind of platform, right, that we can go on our phones and pull a lot of the data and reporting, right? Yep. Reactor Connect is, it started with the app, but it's turned into a lot more than the app. There's a website, there's um, companies that you you can create, log all your machines, make it easy to share data within your own company. Uh, and so there recently has been a couple new changes to Reactor Connect. We've added a GPS or location feature, both on Reactor 2 and Reactor 3. And we've added um, Reactor Analytics, which is detailed information on how the machine is performing that really helps with the troubleshooting process. And that's all can be viewed from the Reactor Connect website. Okay, cool. So how many how many reports, again, I forget on Reactor 2, like the elite model, you could generate, was there's it a, nine reports or there's something? There's like 10 or 12 reports. There's been a couple new ones over the years. There's nothing really, no new reports because of Reactor 3, the same reports, but there's a few new features you may notice on your phone. Because of Reactor 3, we added the ability to now see ratio on your home screen of the phone. It's something that customers were looking for. And that auto pressure balance we mentioned, as it's making small changes to your temperature, we want to let you see what those changes are. So we added that you know information on your home screen as well. You'll be able to see what temperature changes have been made. And I think the app, I mean, from my experience, it's super easy to use. It's very functional. Uh, the reports... Man, if I was using it, I would be using those reports to sell my company, right? I would use that in my program when I'm working with my general contractors or homeowners that, hey, I'm going to provide you with the data so that you feel good about my company and doing business with me. You know, we still hear about stories of off ratio situations. I mean, you guys are being proactive in helping to protect our customers and help them. You know, that's a selling feature in my eyes. Oh, hopefully, you know, more customers see it that way. There is a a, a subset of customers that have latched on to this technology, have used it to help grow their business, have used it as a differentiator when quoting jobs against competition. And I think, you know, some contractors just haven't taken the time to go in there and actually understand what the tool is and all the benefits it can help their business. But um, it, it steadily is growing month after month, year after year. We've seen the usage, you know, continue to increase and um you know we'll just continue to keep going after it and bringing more benefits to the customers because it, it you know anything with new technology takes time for adoption but right right so 
Anything else you want to kind of leave our listeners with about Reactor 3? We're really excited to get this in the marketplace and get customers, you know, using it because we think once they start, you know, using it and pulling the trigger and seeing the benefits, it's going to it's going to really change their business. We've been field testing this machine for, you know, the better part of two years. Lots of customer feedback through those field tests, and it's been very positive. And so now we're excited to get the mass market using it and really grow the adoption of it. And let's see where it goes. Yeah, well, we're very excited about this launch as well. Good stuff to come. We're really excited about it. So there you have it, folks. Reactor 3. Uh, Nick, thanks for coming in today. Glad to have you. Oh, my pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on and letting me talk about our new equipment a little bit. Uh, Please listen to the R-Value podcast and drop us a line. Let us know what you want to hear about. I'm Aaron Franzine.